0: two, three. W-R-F-I. Watkins
1: Glen. W-R-F-I Community Radio News is made possible by listeners like you. Help us tell important stories about your community.
2: Head to wrfi.org slash donate.
1: From the Kenny Ritter Studios in the historic Clinton House in downtown Ithaca, New York. This is WRFI Community Radio News for Friday, October 16th, 2020. I'm Michaela Savitt.
3: And I'm Christian Maitrey. Our annual fun drive kicked off today. As you listeners know, we shut down the station to all volunteers and the public on March 15th as the New York response to COVID-19 began to take form. Without missing a beat, my co-host and our news director, Makila Savitt, stepped in to host our nightly newscast providing essential local news updates about the pandemic and local voices heard nowhere else.
1: And we know that having a fun drive in the middle of a pandemic is not ideal We ask that if you are able to donate even just a couple of dollars to our station at this time, visit our website, wrfi.org forward slash donate and show your support for this station. You can also call 607-441-9734 and show your support for local news. All right, Christian, why don't you tell our listeners what's on our show today?
3: Sure, Michaela. After the headline news, you'll hear a report from our healthcare disc comparing the costs of a medical visit in Stony Brook, New York versus Paris, France. Then you'll hear a tale from a story competition hosted by the local group, Trampoline. But first, here's the weather forecast, courtesy of the National Weather Service. Tonight, a chance of showers with patchy frost and lows dripping, dropping down to the mid-30s. Tomorrow, sunny with a with highs in the upper 50s, and tomorrow night, it's mostly clear, with lows in the upper 30s. Looking to Sunday, it's partly sunny, with highs in the lower 60s.
1: And now tonight's news for Ithaca and Watkins Glen.
3: The local COVID-19 caseload numbers released yesterday from the Tompkins County Health Department indicate that there are five additional positive cases and seven new recoveries. Four people remain hospitalized, according to the County Health Department. That leaves 46 active cases of COVID-19 in Tompkins County. In Schuyler County, there is one new case of COVID-19 reported as of today. According to their health department, 18 active cases have recovered, and six residents are hospitalized for complications from the virus.
1: Ashley Dixon struggled with substance abuse, substance abuse in, her, in their 20s, and today Dixon is a collegiate recovery program specialist at Tompkins Cortland Community College, or TC3. Tompkins Weekly reports that Dixon and colleagues offer resources for students in recovery from substance abuse. TC3 is a member of the Healthy Workforce Network, a local group of area organizations that provide education and training to people who are in recovery and looking to gain employment. The Healthy Workforce Network is a program led by the Alcohol and Drug Council of Tompkins County, or ADC. Some of the member organizations are Challenge Workforce Solutions, TC3, Opportunities, Alternatives and Resources, or OAR, of Tompkins County, Workforce New York, and the Tompkins County Chamber of Commerce. The grant funding supports college prep, TC3 admission, and educational supports, job readiness, career coaching, addiction recovery supports, and more.
3: The 100 block of West Court Street will be closed for all of next week, starting on Monday, October 19th, 14850 Magazine reports. The City of Ithaca states that the street will be closed to through traffic due to construction for the library place development. During construction, Donella Line Services will be relocating underground telephone utilities. The block between Cayuga Street and Geneva Street will be closed, but access to the driveways will be maintained. Driver, drivers will be detoured to Buffalo Street.
1: And now we are going to turn to our WRFI contributor and Ithaca Voice reporter friend Anna Lamb, who is currently in the field uh, of downtown Ithaca right now. There is a pro-Trump rally going on. And as listeners can hear in the background, there are a lot of uh, cheers and um cries right now anna can you describe to us the scene um and let us know where exactly you are at this moment
0: sure hi uh i am downtown at the bernie milton pavilion where some counter protesters have actually gathered for a rally uh leaving the pro-trump ralliers back at the uh local republican headquarters That's over on Route 13 next to Bella Pizza. Uh, We were there for a couple hours, and then the counter-protesters decided to march downtown to hold this little gathering down here.
1: I was receiving word late this afternoon that IPD and sheriffs were gathering in Wegmans' parking lot, potentially preparing to intervene in the protest and counter-protest. Can you speak to that, Anna? Do you have any knowledge of that?
0: Yeah, I did see a couple of uh, Ithaca Police Department cars and two sheriff's cars uh, come down to the scene and sort of block off that block where protesters were gathered. Uh, They blocked off that portion of the road for uh, maybe a half hour and some ralliers gathered in the street. Uh, Sorry if it's loud over here. That's okay. Uh, But... Yeah, there was some police presence, but it didn't appear that anyone was arrested or anything like that. Um, And eventually, IPD and the sheriff's office vacated the scene. So then the road was open to traffic again after a little portion of time.
1: So I was receiving notifications from the county at around five PM that Route thirteen Meadow Street was shut down by CVS, which is at the intersection of West Clinton Street. Are you saying that's open as of now, as far as you can yep. observe?
0: Yep, it's been open for um uh, maybe half hour at this point, maybe a little longer.
1: So you're uh you are in the midst of the counter protesters um gathering and I saw that um, Matt Butler, another Ithaca Voice reporter, um, was, was at the scene where he was seeing, um, like, the counter-protesters and the protesters kind of diverging. Um, can you talk about any of those interactions that have happened so far, if you were there as well?
0: Yeah, so at the actual uh, Trump rallying point at the Republican office over on 13, uh, there was some... Fights that broke out between counter-protesters and the Trump supporters. Uh, it doesn't appear that anyone was seriously injured, but, you know, several small sort of scuffles broke out um, and some people were pushed around and some signs grabbed from the uh, Trump
1: protesters. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Anna. Is there any, uh, Are there any other details you'd like to share with our WRFI listeners at this time? Uh, Yeah.
0: So, I mean, there's about 50 counter protesters gathered on the commons right now, and they are planning to have their own rally uh, on Sunday at the Burning Milton Pavilion uh, at 2 p.m.
1: Okay. Thank you so much. uh, Ithaca Voice reporter and WRFI contributor Anna Lam joins us via telephone. She's at the uh, pro-Trump rally where protesters and counter-protesters have gathered uh, on South Meadow Street, which is now clear. Uh, And we will look out for a story from you and Matt, Anna.
0: All right, sounds good, thanks for having me.
1: No problem. And that is going to conclude our headline news for tonight. Coming up, we'll take a look at the cost of a medical visit in New York versus France. Plus, a tale from a story competition hosted by local group Trampoline. That's after the break on WRFI Community Radio. Stay with us. Mm -hmm. Mm
4: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I can
3: see. you, you can do me wrong
1: oh I, oh i can see forever. and the good hope with their song i can see forever here on WRFI community radio news i'm michaela Savitt,
3: and i'm christian matry we know you rely on us for news and we don't want to cut into the show too much but it's our annual fun drive and we just want to thank you for being our listeners As many of you know, since the shutdown, our DJs and news team contributors cobbled together home studios to continue bringing you the voices and sounds that make up a caring, compassionate, and joyful community. Please show your support for WRFI by visiting wrfi.org slash donate.
1: Again, that's wrfi.org forward slash donate. You may also call us at 607 441 9734-607441 9734 9734 show your support for local independent community radio by the people for the people and now getting into our special feature for today wrfi contributor fred balfour wears lots of hats here on our team and one of them is on a healthcare beat for the news in twenty nineteen, he attended four statewide hearings on health care and the proposed New York Health Act, and produced reports about two of those, which featured the many voices of healthcare professionals, business owners, health insurance companies, and the many individual citizens in attendance. More recently, he reported on the use of telemedicine during a pandemic. In today's
3: features, we hear about an emergency room visit for an accident in Paris followed by an ER visit for a similar accident accident in their Long Island home near Stony Brook University. This first aired on our program in October of last year.
2: This is Fred Balfour reporting from the Healthcare Desk at WRFI, Watkins Glen, and Ithaca, New York. At the Healthcare Desk, we focus on the business of healthcare, including the delivery by healthcare professionals, the insurance and pharmaceutical industries, policy and legislation, and the financial impact, including local and state budgets. Today's episode involves health care delivery costs. We compare an emergency room visit at the Stony Brook University Hospital on Long Island with an ambulance visit to an emergency room at a major hospital in Paris, France. This story appeared in the Retirees Magazine for the United University Professions, of State University of New York. The lead story of the summer edition is entitled, Why I'm Voting for Medicare for All. The author, Judy Wishnia, a retired history professor at Stony Brook University, recounts two similar experiences several years apart when she sustained a head injury. In each incident, she tripped and fell, causing bleeding or possibility of internal bleeding. The first incident was in Paris some years ago, and the second was earlier this year at her home in Sutucket, New York. As a background to this episode, Business Insider and several other policy websites show average spending per person for all health care in Paris and France is $4,900 per year. But in the United States, it's $10,500 per year. In other words, U.S. healthcare care spending is over twice as much per person as in France. I caught up with Judy by telephone. Uh, my name is Judith
4: Wishnia. I live in Setauk New York, which is in Suffolk County, the first congressional district in New York State as i wrote i was in paris uh, several years ago and tripped on the cobblestones i still worry about that and hit my head on the gutter uh as with all head wounds it bled Happily, a wonderful young couple stopped and they called an ambulance. The ambulance is part of the fire department in Paris. They arrived, they examined me and said, Well, it's not very serious, but you do need stitches, so we'll take you to the emergency room. They took me to the emergency room. It was a Saturday afternoon, very crowded, but I got in immediately. And after about an hour, I was taken, stitched up. And then I said, in my US voice, where do I pay? Oh, you don't pay. I said, well, I'm not in the French system. So they said, okay, we'll send you a bill. The bill was 50 euros, which at that time was $60. Uh, My husband went to the pharmacy to get the prescription for painkiller medicine, you know. And again, he said, you don't have to pay. And my husband said, we're not in the system. Oh, he said, I'll have to charge you four euro, but I will give you a receipt so you can claim it when you get home. At any rate, that was my experience.
2: I then asked her to recount her head injury earlier this year at her home in Setucket on Long Island.
4: Uh, several months ago, I tripped coming out of our garage, hit my head on the wall. I have a very hard head. There's a big hole in the wall. <laughs> I got I felt fine. I have two adult granddaughters who live with me, and they immediately said, oh, you must go to the emergency room. You might have internal bleeding. And I said, no, I feel fine, and it's Saturday, I don't want to go to the emergency room. Well, they cried. And so one of them drove me to the emergency room where I spent six hours. They took the tests and then I just waited and waited and waited. And finally they came uh, after I said we were too tired to drive home uh, and told me I was fine. So great. Several weeks later, I got the bill. And it was seven thousand seven hundred dollars. Now, happily, I'm a union member. I have and I have uh, Medicare, and so I only had to pay seventy. But I was incensed, and I looked at it, and it was twenty-two hundred just to enter the emergency room. Uh, and then I read an article in the New York Times, which said that. Um, Emergency rooms can charge whatever they want. And recently I went for hearing aids and I spoke to my doctor and he said, oh, he had a similar experience, okay? So it is not uncommon.
2: Judy, the insurance industry advocates and lobbyists, will state that a French-style healthcare payment system, or for that matter, Canadian and British systems, will have long wait lines and long delays to receive health care. Can you contrast your experience with an emergency room in a Paris hospital with the emergency room near your home on Long Island?
4: I was in the emergency room for six hours. They took the test, and it was a Saturday you know, Saturday night, and they just didn't give me the results until I, I yelled, Okay, <laughs> By that time, it was midnight, and... I said my granddaughter is falling asleep. She won't be able to drive me home. And get me the results, because if you have a test, oh, I have a test with my physician. Normally, I get the results in ten minutes. Uh, and uh, you know, I don't know why it was held up. It's Saturday night. I guess.
2: Right. So this was a hospital in uh,
5: near your oh, home it's in Long Stony Island. Stony
4: Brook Hospital.
2: Stony Brook Hospital. I see.
4: I'm retired from Stony Brook,
2: so. Judy, you've clearly spent some time in France in your academic career. Have you noticed any other differences between the health care delivery systems in America compared with the health care delivery system in France?
4: Now, in France, uh, they pay taxes the way we do for Medicare. but they live two and a half years longer than we do because people are not afraid to go to the doctor the emergency room whenever they have any problem which means they catch illnesses very early and that's why they live two years longer than we do. (laughs) Uh, The other thing is uh, for retirees, I'm a retiree, they have, um, you know, health care centers for people who are really in difficult circumstances, but mainly they try to maintain people in their homes, and they use home health aides who go and check every morning and every afternoon and get them dinner and take them for a walk, and it is so wonderful to see very, very old people in the street walking in their neighborhoods on the arm of a healthcare worker, so it really makes a big difference uh, in your life. So that's the French
2: system. I remember back in the '60s when we were having our family. We had three children, and yeah. I was in the middle of moving from graduate school into jobs and so on. And I had to check carefully as I went to a job to see if the insurance. And, and this is back in 1970 when you know companies did have pretty good health care, but I had to check the insurance to make sure that they would pay for a baby conceived not while I was on their plan. (laughs) This is pre-existing conditions. (laughs) And I remember
4: when my second... son was born, who was New Year's Eve, and they kept urging me to uh, hold on so they could be the first baby born in the new year and stuff like that, and I said, are you kidding? We were both graduate students, and uh, we needed to take off our income tax, even though it was only worth about $70 to us, that was a mint. We had a deduction as of 10.30
3: New Year's Eve. Okay. (laughs)
2: This is wonderful. Thanks so much for your time this morning, and I'll be back. Hey, thank you.
4: uh, Have a good day, as they say in the supermarket. Okay. (laughs)
0: Okay.
2: And for the WRFI Healthcare Desk, this is Fred Balfour in Ithaca, New York.
1: Fred Balfour with his October 2019 report about the cost of a medical visit in New York versus France. This feature and his other reporting for the Healthcare Desk on our program can be heard on our website wrfi.org and this is wrfi community radio news I'm Michaela Savitt if you've been tuning tuning in throughout today you know that today is our annual kickoff to our annual fun drive if you love our show that we bring to you five days a week 300 and Oh, 365 days a year, we bring you radio year-round. You can also call us to make your pledge for our 2020 Fund Drive, 607 441 and visit wrfi.org forward slash donate. And thanks for supporting WRFI. And now we're going to send you off into the weekend on a high note with a live story pre recorded from one of our very own WRFI contributors. A couple years back, local group Trampoline was hosting weekly story competitions live in downtown Ithaca. And the event back in August 2016 was themed Seven Deadly Sins during the year-in-hell season of the competition. WRFI's very own Peter Bakia, DJ and contributor, tells us the story about when he was a near-teenager in the 80s, when he plotted to murder another twelve-year-old, spoiler alert, he did. He didn't kill anyone. He tells his story live from the lot ten stage.
5: When I was twelve years old in seventh grade, I was a very committed nerd. I was into math, science fiction, and chess, and I was a little sweet, like skinny kid with a an awesome like nineteen eighty one bowl cut going on eighty two, and I spent my weekends like riding around on a bike with my friends, watching Star Trek, and playing Dungeons & Dragons. So, basically, I was one of those kids from Stranger Things, if you've seen that show. That was entirely me. And part of being a nerdy kid in 1982 who was nice was, like, my part of the food chain was to get, like, picked on by bullies. And it was just part of my life. It was just something that you went through. And I'm sure many of you out there have been through the same experience. You, like, grew up as a kid, and people picked on you. And most of the time, it was really, it was, it was impersonal. It was like, you know, the tough kids, their job was to pick on the nerds, and the nerd kids, their job was to sit there and take it. And basically, every day of my life went something like this. Uh, hey, loser. Wh- what are you doing? Um, my math. <laughs> Only losers do math <laughs> this This is math class uh, shut up loser Bam! and he 'd punch me in the shoulder and walk away and That was most of my life in like middle school, which it is for many people in middle school unless you 're like a big, tough kid and you know, I learned to live with it it wasn 't that big of a deal i didn 't enjoy it. It made me sad, but what are you going to do? But it was always very impersonal until. I ended up in seventh grade, I ended up in cooking class, like home ec cooking class. And I was put in a group with two or three other kids. And one of the kids in this group was a kid named Brett. I will call him Brett because his name is Brett. And he decided to make my life like a horrible, nightmarish hell. And he would, he would like kick me, he would punch me in the arm, he would call me names, he would just brutalize me, all while we also had to make lasagna, which was not, it was not conducive to doing well in this class. His signature move was a lock dead arm where he would take his padlock for his locker, which for some reason was in his backpack and not on his locker. He'd put it in his hand and put his hasp over his knuckle and, like, wail me in the arm and give me a big bruise on my arm. It was horrible. I hated it. I was a miserable, like, abused, like, 12-year-old in this school. N- I don't want to, like, give my home ec teacher too much guff for like her life was probably also hell for having to teach like seventh graders how to cook but she did nothing about this and I'm sure at least like five times Brett would pull my chair out and make me fall down and hurt myself and I'd yell at him and she'd come over and like castigate me for disrupting class like that happened at least five times I was miserable I would like go home I was depressed I would like weep all the time it was horrible and because I was, like, a little, like, really sweet, really nice kid who just, I just wanted to, like, you know, be friendly and, like, hang out with my buddies, I came up with a good plan to deal with Brett, which was to murder him. And, and I say this, like, you know, humorously, but no, I actually had a plan to murder him. And I was, I was a smart kid. And I, I figured out that, you know, we're in cooking class. There are knives. I, I picked out a knife to use for my crime. Um, I, I did math in my head. I was like, well, no one's gonna see it coming from like a nice innocent twelve year old when I stab this kid in the neck. And no one's gonna know what's going on, so when he drops to the ground and bleeds out, he will be dead before anybody like knows what to do. And I'm twelve, I'm not gonna go to prison. I'll probably just like go to a mental institution for a couple years and then I'll come back from high school and you know, no one will mess with me anymore because I'll be that guy who stabbed that kid in the neck. And I like I put a lot of thought into this. Like, I really had a really serious plan to murder this kid, like, legitimately murder him. And I'm, I don't want to say that I have sympathy for people who, like, go to schools and commit violent crimes. And I, I almost didn't tell this story because apparently there was some horrible shooting in Texas in a high school today. And I, I have no sympathy for those people. But I understand how it happens. Like, I can see how it gets to that point. And if I had been... I mean... Cut to the chase. Spoiler, I didn't kill another 12-year-old boy. Um, but I really wanted to. I, if I had been a slightly less stable kid, a slightly more desperate kid, uh, you know, a slightly more unhappy kid, I would have stabbed the crap out of that guy, and I would have murdered a 12-year-old as a 12-year-old. But after a few weeks of like, you know, me really having this plan, I, I picked up the knife once. I was like, all right, here, I'm going in, I'm going in. all right, I won't do it. Home ec class ended, and I got away from this kid. And we were never in class again, and we were never interacting again. He spent, like, ten weeks of my life making my life a living hell, and then he, like, forgot all about me. And we went off to high school, and I went to a big high school, and I'd see him in the hallways, but we never interacted at all. It was just, like, every time I see him, I'd be like, I was gonna kill that guy. Like, literally stab him. But nothing ever came of it. Until... 25 years later, I was at my high school 20-year reunion, which is where all these old stories apparently go to, and I was in the bathroom, because I went to a really big high school, and none of my like, close friends were at this, this reunion, and so I, I had a lot of free drinks at this expensive hotel. And so I was in the bathroom, and I was peeing, and I was you know washing my hands, and I, and I hear somebody walk in the bathroom, and somebody goes, Peter! And I kind of look up at the mirror and it's Brett, and this is, this is a dude I hadn't talked to in 25 years, and the last time I did, he was like punching me and making me miserable. And I'm like, looking around, I'm making sure he's talking to me, and he's talking to me, I'm the only person there, and I'm like, hey, Brett, what's going on? And he walks up to me, and he grabs me by the hand, shakes my hand, and gives me a big bro hug, and I'm just completely like baffled by all of this, And I'm like, hey, man, what's what's going on? And he starts talking to me about his family and where he's living and his dog and his kids and catching up. And I have this sort of combination of, A, I don't give a crap, and B, I wanted to actually murder you. And here you are giving me a bro hug in a bathroom. And so we chat awkwardly for like eh, a couple minutes. And I start walking out of the bathroom, and he goes dude, I'm really glad I got to see you again. And I kind of looked at him and said, me me too?
1: WRFI contributor and DJ Peter Bakia with his 2016 performance in Trampoline's Seven Deadly Sins storytelling competition live at La Ten in Ithaca. Even Even through a pandemic, Trampoline has continued to host live storytelling events online, we're teaming up with the group to bring these community voices right here to our program in the coming weeks, so stay tuned. And that will do it for our program today. If you value the local independent news stories brought to you by WRFI Community Radio News, please show your support for our program. You can call and make a donation of any amount to 607-441-9734. That's 607 441 You may also visit wrfi.org forward slash donate. And thank you. The headlines at the top of our program were written by WRFI contributors Esther Rakusin and Anna Lamb. Today's feature producers were WRFI contributors Fred Balfour and former WRFI news team member Casey Georgie. Christian Maitree was my co-anchor today. And I'm Michaela Savitt, WRFI news director and executive producer for our program. This Monday, October 19th, from 6 to 7 p.m., join WRFI Community Radio for a discussion and call-in show about the public health concerns surrounding the novel coronavirus pandemic. Our 11th COVID-19 Town Hall will feature your questions about COVID-19. Visit WRFI.org forward slash coronavirus to learn more. Until then, take care, be well, and have a good evening. You're tuned to listener supported. WRFI
0: One, two, three. 2 3
1: WRFI